I'll play back the levels the way you set them. Say it on me. Hey, pussy, are you still there? Lee. I back. People are always saying about the talk, and I talk, and I talk, and I talk, but guess who can walk? I back it up. I back it up. That means it's time to roll, baby. You got nothing going on between your ears, buddy. Hey, John, do you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? I mean, really. I think I could beat every girl in my division with one hand. That guy's such a dick. I mean, you show your true colors after a fight. That fucking guy comes up to me. You know who you are, huh? I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet. <laughs> Hope to God you come ready. Hi, Mike Miller, and welcome to this week's episode of The Wokecast. Joining me, as always, my brothers from another mother's, Sandra Malata and Kairos Bodley. How you doing, fellas? I'm well, Michael. Uh, had a very nice and relaxing weekend. Uh, nice. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was good. And um, my sleep pattern's actually okay. It's not been ruined by fights. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah all is good. Ruined or enhanced? Uh, well, Enhanced, enhanced, we'll say enhanced, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You love it. But yeah, exactly, man. I, I, I mean, we, we all live and, live and breathe this, uh, this sport. So, I mean, there's, there's always a cause and effect with everything in life. So I, I was happy their fights, fights were back, but I'd happily sacrifice my sleep to, to watch some more fisticuffs. <laughs> How about yourself, Kairos? I'm doing well, you know. We're about to have some barbecue in House Bodley soon, so... That's going to be great. Oh, man. You see, if I hadn't just eaten, I'd, I'd be really, really envious. But I'm a big fan of barbecues, man. Mm. I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes. Do <laughs> 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 Well, I've just finished um, a two-course meal laid on by my two sons, assisted by my, my other half. Basically, one did um, the main course and the other did the dessert. So... I'm feeling really, really sleepy right now. So if there is a <laughs> ongoing silence, you know what's happened. <laughs> oh, jeez. In a food coma. You know what? You know I love my segues. Speaking of silence, breaking the silence, speaking to uh, MMA Junkie this week was Mike Perry. Now, Mike Perry, as you know, he um, he's prone to uh, put his foot in it somewhat because, you know, Basically, I, I feel as though maybe it's CTE. I mean, okay, let's just, just call it what it is. I just can't fathom why, you know, anybody would just be so unabashed, so uninhibited and just so unfiltered in what he said. He came out in an interview with MMA Junkie, basically calling for Darren Till's mum, calling for Darren Till. He wants to clash Darren Till. And, um, you know, amidst the homophobic slurs as well, it seems as though, you know, Mike Perry is off the leash yet again. Now, for me, there's two ways that you can actually look at this. The always making trouble warlord in me says, OK, um, this is how you actually get fights, calling attention to yourself and to your opponent. Plus, you know, using superlatives and colourful language and basically um, trying to get under the skin of your opponent but the other half in terms of sanity in me says what the fuck was he thinking at the end of the day we're talking homo uh, homophobic slurs on top of you know the usual um garbage that we hear from mike perry now for me that made me ever so slightly uncomfortable because there are call outs and there are nigh on no i'll just call it as it is offensive downright despicable and downright dirty 
um, ways in which you can actually put together vernacular. So the thing that I was quite perplexed about is also um, following up from that, he seems to be of the opinion that he no longer needs his corner. So his other half, his significant other, is now going to be in his corner and that's Eesh. all he needs. Now, my question is this. Okay, this is what I'm bringing to the table this week and I'm bringing it fast and I'm bringing it furious. Is it... Am I, am I you know, do I need a sanity check here in um, coming to the conclusion that he's overstepped the mark and overstepped the mark in a big way? Or is this in keeping with the brand of Mike Perry and, you know, maybe old Mike, and that is Mike Morgan, Mike Morgan needs to just pump the brakes ever so slightly and take a chill pill. No, I don't, I don't think you need to take, it, take a chill pill when, when it comes to this. And I, I, I somewhat agree with the notion it is very on brand with, with Mike Perry. I mean, mm-hmm. the, oh, well, I was about to say the man drops the N-bomb every, every, well, every video or what, every Instagram update or whatever, but he is two per, he yeah. is two percent black, so he's one of us. He's he, he could fit in. No, the, he isn't. He can, he, 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 no, he isn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he could. Uh, Chisanga, we we traded him a long, long, long while ago. <laughs> yeah, that that ship has sailed. No, um, I. I, I was watching the interview, and as soon as he dropped the the, the, the first f bomb, the first uh, homophobic slur, I just I just cringed. I just yeah. it, because in in this day and age, you you think that people in general would would be would be moving to towards ex- acceptance, and I know he'll probably come out and be saying, "Oh yeah, oh, I am accepting of of people who are, of people who are attracted to their the same members of their of, of their sex or." Or what have you, but the fact that that word came to you and you used it so loosely, I think mm. it, I, I think suggests otherwise. And his poor excuse of uh, uh of well, his poor backtracking. In fact, I, well, me and you briefly spoke about this after 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 we saw it. He, you you could see that he realized that he fucked up in his head, but he yeah. his expert like is 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 well. What's the word? I'm, I'm, I'm even lost. I'm even lost because it, it, it annoyed me so much. His, his almost excuse for for saying it was 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 even more laughable than the fact that he that he said it. It it really it really rubbed me up the wrong way because, well, it, I I'm trying to think the last fighter who I remember saying it publicly. I think it might have been Michael Bisping or or I know Donald Cerrone said said that as well. But you, you would have that was like maybe four years. Five years ago, but you would think that we're slowly moving away from this and this perception that uh, that the gay and lesbian people can't can't be in mixed martial arts because that's not true. We um well, although we don't have any openly gay fighters, we have plenty of openly lesbian fighters. And for mm. for I I can't imagine how they felt as soon as they heard one of their one of their colleagues or have you and Mike Perry saying that it just. It really run me up the wrong way, and I think we can't just keep making the excuse. Oh, it's Mike Perry, though. That's what Mike Perry does. Ha ha ha! It 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 doesn't wash with me. Like I mean, as entertaining as a fighter he is, and well, we all love his his all all action style in in the octagon. You can't excuse that type of type of behavior and boneheadedness. Y'all, not y'all, but like a lot of people have been giving him passes. So it's just nice to see him catching like disrespect now because he's, uh, I'm not going to say anything disrespectful about this man, but he's a clown. 
He's been a clown <laughs> since the first day he fought. I forget the man that he fought in his UFC debut. He was yelling out like um, Asian slurs at him, and his corner were doing the same. And yeah, so right when corner, that happened, yeah, man. I was like, okay, yeah. this dude is a downright like garbage man. Like he is garbage to me. Like after that, and I was like, and everyone's like, oh, he's so funny, ha ha ha. Especially on Embedded because he pretends he's black, and then he photoshops himself with blackface when he was fighting Jeff Neal like before the fight. And I'm just like, okay, like. Y'all have empowered this man way too much, and now y'all realize he's a piece of shit. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about Mike Perry. Yeah, no, I, I'm but, sorry, but, I carry on. I, I was about to say that there there is um, some added value, believe it or not, to Mike Perry with the racist slur, him dropping, you know, um, things which aren't palatable and which you know in 2020 aren't quite frankly acceptable. I think he does have his use because it enables me to see those people around me in my social circles in terms of social media who, if they accept this, if they um, have this unchecked, those are the type of people that I need to watch because those are the type of people who are equally as ignorant as Mike Perry if they feel as though that's acceptable, that's palatable. So he does have his use in terms of rooting out those um, the, 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 those fake so-called friends no i'm in complete agreement with with you on that and and to be honest i think even well in particular with us michael with with uh with brexit you you can't you you over the last couple of years you, you've kind of seen who's not really i wouldn't well they, they might be friendly to you or, or what so but people who hold views that you what you didn't think they would they would hold and yes. then you can kind of just weed them out from from you exactly like yeah i'm i'm all for like i i for one don't like to keep myself in an echo chamber when it comes to political beliefs or whatever like i'll i'll, 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 I'll say this right now i'd probably say i'm i'm pretty 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 center left but that's not gonna preclude me from from following somebody who is leaning towards the right because mm. you, you you have to you have to mix in other views you have to understand people's thought process and stuff and stuff like that otherwise you're again you just you just stay in an echo chamber but as you said going going back to mike perry it's allowed me to see people who think oh yeah it's acceptable for, for yeah. a white person to to say this or whatever or or the tweets that I've, I've seen that people say oh well black people say it why, why can't why, why can't we all just say it do you know what i mean like it yeah and just those accounts get muted or and it, yeah i just th- thank you mike perry for for letting me weed out those cretins and reprobates <laughs> as oh, as for his corner what is he doing like i i can't even remember the name of diego sanchez's coach but that's the route that it sounds like he's going he's going just, <laughs> just like with with his well he previously had the the platinum princess who yeah well i'm pretty sure they're married but not well but i don't know if they're divorced now or whatever but yeah he's with this girl who looks as if she's just out of high school. I'm just, I, I don't know how old she is or whatever, but if you look at her, she looks very, very young. And she's going to be one corner in him his next fight. Jesus. It's a recipe for disaster. It's funny you mentioned Diego Sanchez because that kind of like screams rudderless and directionless and in need of help. Because if you're relying on somebody who you just met, you know, last Thursday, who's going to be cornering you, I honestly thought that she had dyed her hair. I hadn't actually clocked that <laughs> it, was, it was a different woman. Gosh. So, 
that's even worse because his Platinum Princess has previous form in terms of he's been cornered her by her before. But who this waif and stray is now just walked off off the street and is you know got credentials that gonna enable her to you know give him the winning formula. I don't know what planet or what mindset or what dimension he's kind of like drawn that from. Yeah, man. And I, I, I realized I didn't actually address what um, what Mike uh, said about Darren Till's mom. Like, I mean. He well, he started using the word "clapped," and I'm not going to carry on with the, with the rest of the of what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I know I know. Well, Darren did say something pretty pretty as bad as well. But to to bring mothers yeah. into it, man, it's it's yeah. There's 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 some lines that you don't cross, and Mike Mike, Mike yes, I- will tell you that. Don't talk about my mom. Don't talk about. But you see. But that's just it. I'm I'm old school. I, I'm of the Scarface mentality, and that is, you know, when it comes to the business, no women, no children. You don't yeah. have that mix into um, any beef. Now, I don't know. Maybe I am too old school. Maybe you know there is a no hold barred, and uh, everything is um, on the table in terms of targets. Maybe I, I'm too uh, sheltered, but. Nah, that just sits wrong with me. You're bringing someone's mum into it. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's it, it was like when uh, when when Connor called Habib's wife a towel, and I was just Ooh. yeah. Uh, I mean, you culturally insensitive and just insensitive to to his wife in general. Like I was just like Jesus Christ, and we all know the response that Hib, like Habib hashtag Ali <laughs> came came back with, <laughs> for, uh, which we can't speak about, obviously, but. Mm, um, mm. Yeah, there's some lines that you don't cross, man, and just it's it's very it's very schoolyard. Oh well, your mum's uh, blah blah blah, but the the detail that that Mike Perry went in with that, it just well, it tells it tells me one that perhaps he's not as smart enough to come up with with good retorts, and two, Darren Till really is in his head. He's been in his head for a long time. But that's just it. I thought maybe it's just me. Maybe I've got this narrative uh, skewed somewhat. But I thought, you know, talks of spas and talks of training and talks of, yeah, we're cool with each other was the narrative. But now this kind of come out of left field. And I was thinking maybe it is that, you know, he does need that attention. Maybe it is that, you know, that pay packet. I don't know when was the last time that he was paid, but think about it that this was the fight that people were clamoring for maybe he's trying just to get that back on people's radar and to put that back in beef land because it certainly has been for a while very very cordial yeah he's he's attempting to put that fight into play but it's not it's not Mm. happening man i mean i think perry's lost three of his last four if i'm correct yeah he got beat by jeff neal in december and then i can't remember I can't remember. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's three in his, his last four. And and, and Darren's yeah. at middleweight now. Darren's realistically, he's he's one good win away from a title show at middleweight. And so he he ain't getting that fight. Fuck Mike Perry. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, man. I, I well, as I was saying, I think we I think we enjoy his fighting style, and in particular, I. I think I don't. I don't know if you were at this UFC. It was uh, it was UFC. Was it two hundred four? Was it yeah? It was two hundred four in Manchester. Were you there, Mike? 
when I was and I spoke to Mike Perry and that's why I thought maybe I've got you wrong because there were no talk uh, certainly when I was behind the lens I didn't hear him say the word nigger once yeah. plus he was as cordial as cordial could be I, I liked him yeah and I really genuinely thought he was very personable and um, the type of guy who I would happily sit and just talk for hours about you know this that and the third yeah that's why it shocked me it shocked me of late you know obviously what i've been hearing it's almost as though it's a return to form and he kind of like almost as though either a he's playing to an audience playing to a gallery or you know this is just something which he has trouble holding down i don't know i'm just confused perhaps but going back to the point uh about us enjoying his fighting style i mean for for a large portion of his fight with Danny Roberts, he was getting pieced up. Like Danny was mm-hmm. like just peppering him, and then I think Danny just got tired, and Perry's iron chin carried him through, and then he eventually stopped yeah. him. But yeah, that's the extent of my my love for 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 Mike Perry. Anyway, but anyway, we're moving on. We're moving on. <laughs> we're moving we, on. I, we could sit here and talk about him. I got stuff to oh. say. We could talk about him for the next two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. Well, we've we've got to move on to okay, uh, what move I had. What what I had for my dinner. I had some goat curry tonight, which mm. is my nice segue into my segment today. Wow, goat curry. Yeah. Sorry, pause. <laughs> goat curry. Yeah, man. I know it was my kid, and you know he he, he made dinner, but it wasn't goat curry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing it right now, envious. One on to my left has got barbecue to look forward to. Yeah. One to my right has got goat, which he's just down. Man, goat curry. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> anyway, I'm sure all you guys saw Conor McGregor's madness about who's the goat of mixed martial arts and how he views himself as tied number one with, with Anderson Silva. Wow. Obviously, it's uh, sparked massive massive debate and it's actually made people i think almost reassess the barometer or the the parameters for measuring somebody as a as a go for for me i although i disagree with conor obviously saying that he's joint first with anderson i think he did raise some valid points in terms of um title defenses the the one he didn't raise the title defenses sorry in terms of uh, the manner of finishes and the the caliber of opponents when uh, when he was justifying his his list and the fact that uh, the him and Anderson and G, well not John him Anderson who else and GSP had had moved up in weight whereas John had not so what were your thoughts on first your what were your first reactions when you first saw it and what were your thoughts on his overall criteria for for his goat list. Karras, okay, we first could. Good. Here's here's what I think. Okay, here's what I think. Now, a lot mm-hmm. of people might come out here and answer this with the politically correct answer. But I pose this question to you. If a crackhead on the street gives you their opinion about something and it's so outrageous, are you going to take it seriously? <laughs> yeah. Oh, so why are we going to give Conor McGregor that same treatment? Or why aren't we giving him that same treatment? Okay. You're out of your oh. mind if you think that you should ever be any in any GOAT conversation Period, point blank, in mixed martial arts. The only thing that he's prolific at is winning and not defending belts. And we all know this. We've watched the sport for so long to know it is 10 times harder to defend a belt than it is for you to win it. Because simple and plain, everybody's trying to get you. So everyone is going to give you their best shot when they're coming up there. 
Conversely, mm -hmm. once you achieve the belt, you've achieved a certain level of gratitude and like rapport again with your uh, training camps, with who you are as a person. So you might not have that focus. And if you do, it's dwindling as time goes on. Cause like, wow, I've defended this belt five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. If you don't even have one title defense to your name, I can't take you seriously. Nothing you say is relevant and no one should take it seriously whatsoever. Ooh, okay. Now, uh, can you bring that heat, Mr. Morgan? Can you can you match that with your uh, with your response, your initial response to Connor's tweet? I, 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 I don't know about that because you know Kairos, as we all know, brings a whole different energy. But what I would say, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about the fact that you know it was Connor that actually brought this up. It was Connor that actually you know initiated this conversation because he's a master at this. He's a master at shoehorning himself back into relevancy he's a master at actually making sure that people don't forget his name and he's also master at self-promotion so it's no wonder that he would come out with this notion with this you know this, this idea that he is a uh, tied number one but the thing i would say is um for a while you know in in a romanticized way i looked to connor as a game changer i looked to connor as somebody who was a standard bearer because when we think about it, and we, if we are going to be really, really honest here, it was until the Conor McGregor effect came along that, you know, people were looking quite seriously um, from the time that he arrived about pay mm -hmm. and getting paid what you were, you were worth. Also, the, um, well, the, the loudest hinge gets to Greece. And again, he's been spearheading that. Everything that he's asked for, he has got. From the very first time that he got into the octagon, 60 Gs, baby, he got it because he asked for it, and he asked for it loudly. But not only that, the audacious style in which he kind of like brought to the um, octagon in terms of the way in which he talked things into existence, mm -hmm. the way in which, you know, he went from a spinning elbow into a jumping hook kick, you know, just from a standing start. All of that, I can understand why people like myself were kind of like, well, I suppose mesmerized by what he brought to the table. But let's just call facts as facts. In terms of opponents, in terms of achievements, in terms of what um, will go down in the history books, Stefan Bonner, Chael Sonnen, Yushinakami, Vito Belter, Belfort. I mean, Chael Sonnen. To be honest with you, I don't think if you were looking comparatively, you could say that they were in the same ballpark, let alone the same ranking. Mm -hmm. Now, I can understand, as I say, why he would try and you know, insert himself into that conversation, but totally disagree. There was a time, I have to say, where I was looking to Connor. Um, as in the conversation for, for GOAT, being in the top three. But I don't, because you have to look at what criteria you're establishing this GOAT conversation. If it is to do with everything that I've just spoken about, well, maybe, perhaps, there is an argument. But if you're looking at it as you should, on pound for pound, and that is comparatively, in terms of opponent for opponent, who you do see as the greatest of all time come on connor doesn't actually come into the top three let's be frank let's be honest but i like his ambition i like the fact that you know 
there is nothing that stops Connor in terms of self-promotion and you know hats off to him he does a fantastic job plus you know I'm, I'm just kind of reminding everybody not just you know assembled around this microphone but also listening you know he has changed the game to uh, a massive extent um regardless of whatever you just want to just look at it from a pay point of view regardless of where you whether you want to look at it from a pay-per-view point of view regardless of whether you want to look at it um from bums on seats or whether you want to look at it from fan participation and fan following there is nothing that you can tell me that um compares when that is in the conversation Mm. but you have to kind of like set the parameters for what this GOAT conversation is. So I suppose really just to wrap up, I would say if it were purely on what I think GOAT status should be on, and that is the type of opponent, the calibre of opponent, and basically those who you have fought, that's what you should be looking at it no, on. Of course, I, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. And obviously title defences have to have to be... <clears throat> You, you have to factor those in when you're when you when you're compiling 100%. and go this. So for me, I'm going to rattle off my top nine off the top of my head. Top, top well, nine, well, top, top, top nine, <laughs> top nine. Okay, because we don't do tens here, man. I'm 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 being rogue here. So top of the list for me is GSP, and then second, okay. people may say this is controversial or whatever. I've got Anderson, then I've got. John Jones as as third, although obviously that could change if he steps up and wait and wins another title and then has multiple title defenses. And then joint fourth, I've got Demetrius Johnson slash Daniel Cormier. Number mm. six, I've got Fedor Emelianenko. And then number seven, I've got Conor McGregor for as you said, he's a he's a game changer. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that warrants his, his inclusion in there as well. And the, oh no, in fact, no, that's that, that's where we're going. Just top seven. Those are those are the seven ones that come out stand out for me. And no, in fact, eight. Then we've got to add Amanda Nunes into there as well. Um, yeah, that's that's where I'm going. That's that's my goat list at the top. So I know this is probably going to spark the the PED PED debate. I know it's going to spark the PED debate, but I just think that given how given how it was the Wild West for for so long, there's there's a good chance that a lot of the fighters that Anderson and John fought, in fact, like there's 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 a common opponent who Anderson and John fought, who was a notorious drug cheat, Chael Sonnen. But there are a lot of a lot who was chuckling there when I said Chael's a cheat. <laughs> there are a lot like it was a wild west no even not even that long ago like six mm-hmm. years ago it was the wild west when it came to testing and a lot of fighters have dropped off since usada came in so i think it's fair to say that a lot of fighters were were on the source during anderson and john's prime time runs so mm-hmm. for me that's why i'm including them i know people say uh oh, if you fail a drugs test, you should be immediately excluded from the conversation, and I get that to a certain extent. But it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit different in the sense that we do have fighters who accidentally ingest tainted supplements or take dick pills to party all night or or or, or whatever, and that leads to to positive tests. And in the case of John, and and a lot of people. They don't want to acknowledge this fact. 
John has been exonerated twice by USADA, who are an independent mm. drugs testing uh, association, mm. who are completely are a completely separate entity to the UFC. And if two if, if uh, two occasions he's been cleared of any wrongdoing, I think you have to factor that in. In an ideal world, you'd have another drug governing body coming in and cross-examining all his tests and whatever, and you'd want them to come to a similar conclusion before you completely remove the asterisk from him. But sadly, that's not going to happen. So for, the, for those reasons, that's why John and Anderson are in my GOAT lists. It's interesting. You, you've, you've gone up to nine because I always think of things in terms of top fives. I mean, mm. it's funny as well. Your top three, very, very similar to my top three. I would just flip the first two round. And that is, I would have said at the top of all uh, would be number one, Alison Silver, number two, GSP, mm-hmm. number three, John Jones. So I would, I, you know, flip those around. Number four, I have to say, I would go with Amanda Nunes. And number five, I'd go with Con- Conor McGregor. No love for DJ or DC? To be honest with you, I would say top 10, definitely. But for my top five, remember, you know, it is about criteria. It is about, okay, what are the parameters of the um, GOAT? And like I say, I, I really do feel that you have to look at it as a whole. And that is how well they communicate, how well they're able to establish themselves as the brand, mm-hmm. how well they actually, first and foremost get in there and display skills not just on the ground but on the feet as well how well rounded are they and how many times do they consistently come back and defend their record in terms of belts as well Mm -hmm. so that that's kind of like my broad criteria so i think that's the kind of like crucial factor that needs to be talked about here what is the criteria but that is my criteria what about are you, we talking about on this podcast right now what is going on <laughs> what is going on what are you guys saying right now? <laughs> okay i'm gonna be real with y'all i'm re- people aren't gonna mm-hmm. want to hear this but if we are talking just off of fighting accomplishments, we aren't talking about the gate sales. We aren't talking about the yeah. pay-per-view buys. We aren't talking about your Twitter files. We aren't talking about a lot of other... We are talking about who you beat, how you beat them, your title defenses, and the fights that you have won. Conor McGregor's not even going to make my top 10. He's not even going to make my top 10. And y'all are disrespectful for even putting him on your list in your top 10 and putting him in front of some wow. people who shouldn't... Like, okay, I'm going to be real with y'all right now. <clears throat> mm, mm, Conor... Mm. Connor isn't like the same reason that Connor isn't going to be on this top 10 is the same reason why Fedor isn't going to be as highly on my list as well. You you want to talk wow, about a guy who decides he doesn't oh. want to stand stand tall and fight challenges? My man's 43 still fighting in Bellator. There's nothing wrong with Bellator, but the same reason why I am not putting a lot of fighters in my top 10, the same reason why he isn't going in there is because he didn't he didn't want to continue fighting the best of the best. When promotions are being dissolved into UFC and bought out, he said, no, I'm going to sit back and fight other challengers. Guess what, though? Look at your record. It would have been great if you continued to win against these challengers that you faced, though. But you lost to, oh, uh, who, is, who is it? You lost to Verdum. You were submitted by him. You lost to Bigfoot, Dan Henderson, Matt Mitrione, Ryan Bader. And granted, a lot of these guys have had great careers when they left the UFC and went into Bellator. But when they were competing against the best of the best, they weren't winning that much. So when you lose to them in a different promotion, it hurts you even more so. Had you been fighting these guys in the, in the UFC, it would have been a better argument to help you out. But that's the reason why Fedor is probably going to be sitting at like number 10, maybe number 9, maybe number 8. I don't know. But Connor, he's not even going to be in that top 10. You guys forget about Matt Hughes. You guys are forgetting about DJ. <laughs> You guys are forgetting about Ronda. You guys are forgetting about, like, there are so many great champions. Oh, Randy Couture. Uh, like, are we really about to put Connor in this conversation at all? Period. The, fr- 
the first simultaneous two weight world champion, no matter the circumstances in which Thank he you. in which he was given the given the the, the fight with with Eddie Alvarez, and they screwed mm-hmm. over Khabib Nurmagomedov with that. A lot of people yeah. forget because they actually issued him about agreement, saying, "Oh yeah, you'll fight Eddie," and then they're like, "Oh yeah, Connor's mm-hmm. now signed. Yeah, screw you." You can't. You, you 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 can't erase the history. That's massive. That was like that was massive for our sport. And I know I know a lot of fans now they 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 make light of two division champions or or, or fighters wanting to move up and wait and and challenge for another title. But that was a massive massive thing, especially the the way the, the manner in which he dispatched of Eddie on the grandest stage in the old combat sports wise in Madison Square Garden. So I, I I think you have to you have to factor that in there when when you're when you're ranking the goats and I- and how he made someone who hadn't lost for over 12 what 13 years and made that person look ordinary Man. jose aldo i have to say really and truly up until that status was uh, up until that stage was looked at as a god and i have to say conor mcgregor made him look like you know a checkout someone who actually works in tesco's <laughs> okay oh, i'm gonna ignore that right now because you're right i'm not gonna argue that point but here's my issue yeah the same reason why you glorified connor with him accomplishing two belts is the same reason why you gotta bring up all the people with one two belts then where's bj you know if we're throwing in connor i know bj has lost 52 fights in a row but he's still got those two belts <laughs> oh B- bj's my favorite fighter of all time oh he's okay. in my top 10 yeah B- he's in my top 10. i didn't hear no I bj uh, I, I ain't seen no BJ. Okay, I can't keep saying BJ like that. But y'all know what? What about who else we got to talk about? You got DC in there. What about DC? Uh, yeah, I said DC. I, I I said DC. DC was in my in my list. He was the first. He was the first to defend uh, both his belts. First and no, Henry. Henry got two belts. He beat TJ Dillashaw. He beat Dominic Cruz. Like whatever you guys want to say. I thought it was another yeah. but he still got wins over these people. We aren't gonna put Henry he in this conversation. But he's just bounced out. He's just bounced out like a bitch. He's, so, uh, you really think he's leaving, though? He ain't leaving. My man no, is playing chess. I, he's retired, bro. I'm joking. I'm he's just, playing chess right now. <laughs> no, he's in the conversation, of course. Like, I, 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 in fact, I think we should, we should reconvene this conversation next you week. better we reconvene with a with you dug yourself with, into a hole with, a with yeah yes. with, with 10 with 10 we should come up with t- yeah, yeah with 10 and maybe even just just a sentence explaining why they're ranked at where they are i think that's the, that's that's, that's the best way to do it and I'm i know in. you said you uh you can't see no bjs or find no bjs if you if you go to the street corner kairos i'm sure you'll be able to find one if you shout for it. looking for some bjs on these lists man <laughs> That's the name of the podcast. Man's been a that's that's the name of the podcast. Looking, looking for some beaches. <laughs> oh god, love it. Oh dear god, Kairos, oh, wow. what you bring to the table apart from BJ's? Is um, I got, I got more. Mine's more so concerned about two things. I've been juggling which one I wanted to do. One had to do with fighters and optimum weight classes. The other one had to do with, are we ever going to see this island? But I feel like the island's a little bit talked over. So we'll, we'll go with the weight cutting issues that I have right now. We see a lot of people who are starting to excel a lot more when they start fighting at more so like weight classes catered to their ability. You know, you see Jerry Cannonier going off right now at 185 pounds. I know when he starts fighting and people are going to be re-reminded of what he's done. You saw OSP try and go up to heavyweight. I didn't think that was the greatest idea. I didn't think, I don't think that's really a long-term thing that he should be doing. But you see a lot of people who are moving up in weight and doing a lot better because of the fact. And 
I always throw this idea out there and it gets shot down, but I don't care. I'm gonna keep coming back for these BJs. And here's, here's I think we need a 165 pound weight class. We need a 165 pound weight class. Let me explain why. I'm, I'm not trying to pull no Ronald Reagan's like terminology here, but I really do. You would have a trickle down effect if you put in a 165 pound weight division. 70 years who are small for 170 would move down to 65. 55ers who are way too big for that division would move up. Then when you have the larger people leaving out of your division, the lighter weight classes are gonna move up as well. Conversely, if people are gonna move down as well, but that's not the end all be all. You would need to add one more weight class like in a higher weight division as well. Maybe 195, mm -hmm. maybe I don't, probably 195 to be realistic. Yeah. And then that would solve the problem like forever. You wouldn't need a 265 pound. You wouldn't need a 352 pound division. But adding two divisions and at those particular spots, you wouldn't have a guy like Henan Brown passing out in his hotel room trying to get down 135 pounds, hitting his head on the faucet. You wouldn't have a guy who's having weight cut complications, fighting Marvin Vittori from eating too much protein bars and having to pull out of his fight. Like you wouldn't have these issues. I, I was about to say, I, I, I hear you in terms of, you know, fighting at your um, optimum weight class because the, the one that's kind of like you know jumps out at me immediately is uh, Tiago Santos yep. I mean look what he has accomplished since going up to light heavyweight he looks absolutely incredible I mean totally like kind of a night and day when you look and compare and contrast what he's done um, at middleweight now I, I, I know that you know there is this whole thing about well I might lose power if I go down a weight but you know, fighting at your optimum weight, I, I'm I'm with you there. You know, you know. Before we move on, I know he's my boy and everything, but I really do feel that you know I would have loved to have seen Jimmy Manuel. I'm so glad you said because, that. Yeah. Because I, I just feel that you know, in terms of comparative size and comparative stature and in comparative, you know, um, body mass, I, I personally thought that he was the smaller of the light heavyweight division, but I just can imagine him have been a total killer, total badass at middleweight. Yeah, mm. but come on, Jimmy is Jimmy is thick, and I mean like thick is a muscly man. You've seen him between fights, Mike. You've seen how like how swole he gets. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if he'd be able to make, unless he shed muscle mass, which I'm sure he'd, he'd be able to do. But like you say, yeah, I, I never even thought of Jimmy going down to middle middleweight. I always thought go up to to heavyweight and be like a a speedier heavyweight. But um, mm. yeah, I'm I'm a proponent for for fighters not cutting obscene amounts of weight just to just to try have a an advantage over over an opponent who realistically is also probably going to be about the same weight as them on fight night anyway because nowadays you, you just have a lot of fighters who really are sh really should have no business being in the weight class and an example of that that i'll i'll uh i'll give is is probably is darren till darren till has no business being <laughs> at one had never had no business being at 170 that man is bit, like i'm about six foot two and i think darren he might just be a bit slightly taller than me and he's, he's i wouldn't say he's like thick as in super muscly but he's he's quite he's quite small so like it, it used to shock me that he used to go down to 170 and his performance against kelvin gastelum it was a very good performance and i i can't help but feel that that was aided by the fact he didn't have to cut an obscene amount of weight and i don't know if you saw uh he was on eddie hearn's uh, video 
podcast that he's uh, he's been doing during lockdown. He said that, I th- in fact, let me let me get the tweet up of what how many pounds he cu- he cut because there was a ridiculous amount of uh, of weight. He said he was cutting before UFC London. I think he said he had about maybe fifteen or eighteen pounds to cut the night before. Oh, good, which is yeah, wow. which which that is ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous, and for, it. Uh, it's it's baffling. It it really is for it, to go into cage fight as well. The the next day, it's just, and I mean, he said, I'm pretty sure it was eighteen pounds. Though I'll I'll be scrolling forever. But anyway, yeah, I'm pretty sure he said it was it was about eighteen pounds that he had to cut the 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 night before, and he said that he was having problems with his uh, his vision. Something that happened ahead of the Wonder Boy fight. Do you remember the video that came out? Uh, yeah, the, uh, he, he almost. Well, he 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 fainted or almost yeah, fainted. He on, the, on the treadmill. Way it out was, of it. Man, mm. it was. It's ridiculous. I, I I it just it baffles me that fighters are taking themselves really close to the point of death. Really, just to yeah. just yeah. to try having an, an advantage over over an opponent, a temporary advantage over uh, it. I I don't know, man. For me, it's just it, it doesn't it doesn't sit right with me. It really doesn't sit right with me. Even if you do add those two weight classes, it's still gonna take you at least like one to two years for this to actually be something that works long term. Because you're gonna have some growing pains. You're gonna have some people sitting back and saying, "Yeah, that's right. People are leaving my division. I'm gonna be the biggest one here. I'm gonna keep cutting 30, 40 pounds. What's up, babe? Like, you're gonna have some people who are gonna be some jerks about it, but. As we've seen, the longer you sit in those divisions, the harder and harder it gets to cut that weight and you pay the price. We saw RDA at the end of his tenor at 155 pounds. It came back to hit him tenfold. Like, yeah, it was great. You killed people up on your way to win the title and you beat Anthony Pettis, broke his orbital and like ruined his career for the rest of his like life. But then you got Tony coming for you. Then you got Eddie coming for you. And it just, it just didn't look good at 155 for you anymore. When you go up to 170, you had like three great wins. You had like Safadine, you beat, um, think was it magni yeah you beat magni and you beat robbie yeah. lawler and then you and then you hit like a little bit of a stifle point but i'm telling you they 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 have those weight classes open for two years and allow people to start fighting consistently at their natural weight class they're going to catch up to you fast and you're going to pay the price if you don't move i agree with you with i think 165 and 195 are the weight classes that that should be added because the jumps between 155 and 170 and then uh, 205 to heavyweight is just ridiculous they're they're really like I, I know Dana White doesn't doesn't like it for people say there are there are so many tweeners who would benefit from 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 adding weight classes and I get the argument that he doesn't want to add so many weight classes and dilute the dilute the belts or whatever as as they do in boxing but the reason why the why the belts are more diluted in uh, in boxing is because of the multiple organizations that are or governing bodies sorry that's why but. With the UFC, the UFC are the premier brand. Everybody knows that if you're a UFC champion, you're the you're the best. Well, quote unquote, you're the best in the world. Even though, for argument's sake, I'd I'd say that potentially Gaga or Musashi is the best middleweight in the world. But anyway, that argument of oh yeah, you're diluting the the value of the belts by adding more weight classes. That that doesn't ring true for me. Just bring in a couple more weight classes. It doesn't have to be too many. Just bring in just bring in two. The, the the aforementioned ones and as Kyrus said it will have a trickle down effect and 
it will benefit everybody i think I, I i definitely hear that i definitely hear that you know just before we wrap up i wouldn't mind getting your your take on this obviously coming weekend's fight card tyron woodley um headlines along with gilbert burns now for me the, the thing that kind of like struck me with that straight away was i i was a little bit gutted that gilbert burns is taking Leon Edwards yeah. kill because for <laughs> yeah. me I just couldn't wait to see that actually happen and considering now I, I read it very very briefly but they're looking at um, I think it's either this week or next week or very very shortly anyway that um, they are actually going to be able to entertain international athletes um, in the state mm. so that fight as in Leon Edwards and Tyron Woodley could have happened in the next couple of weeks anyway but I, I, I just, you know, just wanted to, to grab your thoughts, firstly, on that as a headline bout. But secondly, the, the rest of the card, because looking at it, I, I know that, you know, I shouldn't be ungrateful considering the hiatus we've had in terms of um, action and the fact that, you know, it's, it's not an impossible right now to try and put on something which is compelling, something which is interesting, something which is going to actually capture people's imaginations. But um, for me, looking at that card, it's a little bit kind of like meh. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with, with, with you. Like, the only fights that really stand out for me, uh, uh, apart from the main event, is uh, Kevin Holland back in action in a different weight class, no doubt. That's that's some, some bad man shit from, uh, from the Trailblazer. And I think mm. Caitlin Shukagan against Antonina Shevchenko. That, those are, like, for me, like, as you say, there's nothing really else that whets my appetite. Unless you're unless, you, unless you're thirsty and you just want to see Mackenzie Dern back in the okay, <laughs> uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna stop you right there because that was literally one of the fights that I was gonna say, and here's why. Okay, don't you dare disrespect me like that. Okay. Don't you dare disrespect me. They didn't do her <laughs> any favors as her return by giving her Amanda Rivas. First of all, they didn't do her no favors by giving her that, so she didn't get to showcase her skills to the best of her abilities. I guarantee you, with this Hannah Cypress fight, she's probably. I don't want to be disrespectful. I'm not gonna be disrespectful, but I don't think. Hannah Cyphers should have taken this fight, and I'll just leave it at that. You hit it on, with the nail on the head with Kevin Holland, though. I definitely want to see that fight. And I don't think I want to see Caitlin Chikagian fight Valentina's little sister because I just, why, why, why are we doing this? I just, I don't understand. And if you lose badly in this fight, it's just like, you gotta, you gotta go somewhere else now. You can't get, you can't get beat by like both, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care about that fight that much. I'll watch it, but I just, eh. But and to yeah. answer your thing about Leon, I think Leon not taking that Woodley fight was the best thing that ever happened to him. And here's why: I like Leon Edwards. Okay, Yo, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen here, listen to my rationale. Okay, here. if he wins, <laughs> if he if he were to beat Tyron Woodley, then it wouldn't matter. But there's too many unknowns going into this fight. We haven't seen Woodley for a year. He's been in Thailand for months training. We don't know what tools mm -hmm. and abilities he's going to come back with. So any film that you've watched on him, it might be borderline useless. So you go into a fight with useless, mm -hmm. outdated intelligence, and he's been watching you compete. It's a recipe for disaster for you. What if this man decides he's going to start kicking people's legs? I don't think I've seen Woodley throw a leg kick ever. I don't think I ever. What, what happens if he decides to do that? How, how are you going to prepare for that on the fly? I, yeah, it could be a Khalil Roundtree situation. It could be, and he's... I'm not going to put down Khalil like this. Respect to Khalil. But 
Tyron Woodley is a more accomplished fighter than Khalil Roundtree in every facet of the game. So it would be like Khalil on steroids. And I really like Leon, and I think he should just play his cards better. He was smart playing chess, not campaigning to get this fight back. But if he did campaign to get this fight back, I'm glad he didn't get it anyway, because I do not want to see him lose, even though he could possibly win this fight. I just don't think he would win it, though, if that makes sense. But now... Yeah, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, pause. We're looking at an accomplished wrestler, really, in Tyron Woodley, going up against an accomplished striker in Leon Edwards. Why would he resort to leg kicking? And you know yourself, Chisanga, that, you know, regardless of how many times you drill something, it's not going to be second nature just overnight. Mm. Plus, the way that I look at it is, I really wanted to see that only because of how it was ratcheted up in my mind that, you know, it was USA versus UK. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all want yeah, to that badly, huh? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> quiet, you. Uh, I, yeah, I, as you said, if, I, I don't want to disrespect Tyron or whatever, but it's, yeah, it's, it's as you said, like, he took potentially Leon's kill, my Leon's big kill, the one that, oh, I mm. mean... You could you could draw up if he had won at the O2. You could draw up like a poster of him like holding up Woodley's head like severed off or whatever. Like give me my title <laughs> shot. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, uh, you bloke uh, yeah. some UK amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he could have just gone. Was this your king? Was oh this your king? Goodness. Afterwards, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. And it's 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 now we have to reassess the entire state of state of the the welterweight division i really i well and truly believe that they're going to try give him wonder boy they're going to try that's that's going to be the fight Ooh. that they're i think that's the fight that they're going to give him because realistically i think colby he's going to wait and see what is happening with usman versus masvidal if that fight happens he's regardless i think he's going to fight the winner of it because obviously if jorge wins they've got the beef and if Kamara wins, then obviously their fight was close. Obviously, Kamara stopped, stopped it in the fifth, but that was a very close fight. I had it 2-2 going into the final round. So that leaves... Let's see who else is top five. So I believe it's Wonderboy at five. Is Leon at four? I think so. Yeah, so it's if, if, it, make, it makes sense. It really... If, I, that, that's a fight that I think is going to happen. And I, I, I spoke to one boy last weekend and like he's down just for whatever. He's like anybody who, who can get me to a title show, I'm 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 happy to fight. So yeah, it's Leon at four, Jorge at three, and I know that hurts <coughs> Kairos. <laughs> I know that hurts Kairos. <laughs> then you got Covington at two, then you got Tyron at one, and then you got Kamara at, on top. There's there's nobody else for Leon to fight. Other than other than Wonderboy, there's nobody else. And I mean, like, who, who, other than Damian Meyer or Mike Chiesa, but I mean, that's not going to get him a win. Or they could try do him dirty and give him Jeff Neal. Can you imagine if they? Hey, hey, that that's that's not beyond the realm no, of possibility, man. They they wouldn't do that. He's got way too much to lose with that. My man's Jeff Neal sitting at ten right now. He's sitting at ten. They yeah. really about to hand you number ten. You lose, you are going down. You are going down those rankings. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm not saying he'd take the fight. But I'm saying they'd probably try offer it to him. They might try to I, I jab some more alley-oops, though. I think they're going to alley-oop him a little bit more. Well, who can they give, who can they give Jeff? Probably <laughs> Kiesa. Maybe Kiesa. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> they're going to yeah. give him Kiesa. He's going to be the beast. 
<laughs> He's oh, been talking God. a lot of strength. He has like, I'm, I'm trying to fight all these people. And then you got Jepnil said, all right, well, fight me. And he goes radio silent. Give, yeah, give Kiesa he, that fight. <laughs> he's a dark, dark horse, man, Jeff Neal. I, I was really impressed by the way that he just, he dealt with Mike Perry. Dealt with Mike Perry for the black population. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, oh, as, as huh? I was about to say, um, I've just got notifications. Just Nate Diaz talking mad shit to Jorge Masvidal. Just say, uh, it's, uh, you know what? It, you know what? They should, you know what? They should rematch it. They should rematch this fight. And no matter who wins, they should fall down the rankings. That's yeah, what I'm Rematch propose. for what? No matter what is who, that to see? <laughs> there's nothing to see. Nothing. Yeah. I don't know, you know. Like, hear me out. Hear me out. Don't, don't jump down my throat. Hold on, hold on. Like, I'm getting I, confused. This is, this is Jasanga speaking, right? Yes, Did you say yes, hear me I, out. Yes. Hear me out. Like I was, like I know I was, I, I was, I was there that night at MSG, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. Nate was getting his ass kicked. Of course he was. When, <laughs> yeah, Nate was getting his ass kicked. Over, but we've we've we, we've seen that he he pours it on late. He pours it on late. Like regardless of of who was signing there. All right, I'm I'm sp- I'm going. I'm spitting facts here. I'm spitting facts here. <laughs> like and and t- like. Hey, I, 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 I want to either see it go to the decision or I want to see a fight go out on the shield. I'm like Anthony Smith's coach, so I want to see, I want to see a fight go out on the shield. So yeah, I, hey, run it back, run it back. Like I want a definitive conclusion. Obviously, I had, I had Jorge winning the fight, handily winning the fight. Yeah, but and that that, that way you can like it's another big fight for the UFC, and then that will probably. Well, that if that was if that was to happen, then that would definitely pave the way for um, for Conor Gaethje because I think that's going to be the next fight, regardless of of Habib. And I know Gaethje's doubling down, saying I'm not going to fight you, I'm not going to fight you. You've lost your clout. The man, the man was was sliding into Conor's DMs trying to get a fight with him less than a year ago or whatever. He's just giving him a little bit back, just saying, okay, yeah, well now the the chips are are, are in my corner, or whatever. But given the situation with Habib's dad, and I, I mean, I'm touching wood right now for Abdurrahman Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Hopefully, he makes a, a full, speedy recovery. Mm. I don't foresee Habib fighting for. I I, I don't foresee him fighting until at the latest, like October or November. So, the and the UFC are gonna have the for the UFC this uh, this tragedy. Well, not near tra- the tragedy because Abdurrahman he's he's still alive, but. This situation is almost a—it's almost like a, an, an alley oop for them because it means they can have Conor fight in a title fight, and if Conor wins, which I think the Gaethje matchup stylistically is a favorable one for him, I would have said it's—I would have said it's a layup for him if it was the Gaethje that fought Dustin Poirier and uh, Michael Johnson. But you have Conor who wins that fight, and then he goes into the Habib rematch. As a as a champion, a unification fight that would be massive. So I think that's going to be the next fight. I think they're going to try shelve Nate to make the Masvidal fight, and then it's going to be Gaethje and Connor. That's what I think. Okay, my good sir. You know what? That's strike two and three for you. I got to <laughs> oh, that's an American reference oh. for you. You strikes in the states. Okay, I'm gonna just I'm gonna come calm and correct with you real quick. Okay. Oh. Uh. 
Jorge Masvidal is the biggest fucking baby I have ever <laughs> seen. All this crying about I'm trying to fight important fights and meaningful fights, fight for the title, and then you're put in a position to compete for the motherfucking title. And you do everything in your power to not do that. You know what? That's great. If you don't want to do that, that's perfectly fine. You want to have some meaningful fights? That's great. How about you fight Leon Edwards? I thought I thought it's when I see you, I'm going to hit you. And he, I, I thought that was a thing. So why don't, why don't you fight Leon Edwards? We take Nate Diaz and move him down 155 pounds because he is a lightweight. He is not a welterweight. He's just tall. He should not be at welterweight because every fight that he has in that top 1 through 10 is going to be exactly the same, if not worse, than fighting Jorge Masvidal. Let's mm. not sit here and act like Nate Diaz in five-round fights just comes alive. How many five-round fights that have gone the distance has he won? Mm. Zero. Mm. Zero. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't even need to look. Zero. Zero. This man should go back down to where people are actually his size and punching in his weight class and try and test his hand there. I think he can have some favorable matchups. He can make a little cast before he goes off into the sunset. And maybe even if the stars align and we have the solar system in his favor, maybe he'll compete for a title. But definitely probably not. Jorge Masvidal, I'm so sick of this man doing everything to, oh, uh, yeah, let's rematch. Say, how about you fight the champion? You're sitting in the top five right now. You've been begging for this since you've been begging to be in this position for years and you are finally here and you're not going to seize the moment for an excuse like, oh, I came in overweight. I wouldn't be able to make the wait time or, oh, um, they aren't paying me enough money to do it. They don't need to be paying you that much money because you're not that great of a draw. <laughs> since when, oh, you became a great job and beat Nate Diaz. Explain me why RDA isn't that great of a draw then. I'm so like this man. You know how people say, he, oh, he's playing chess. Well, Jorge Masvidal is not smart to be playing chess. He's playing checkers or he's playing tic-tac-toe right now. And it's not going to go down like that. It's not going down like that for him. This man thinks that he's just like a intellectual savant. And maybe he is in the fight realm. But in the business side, not so much. Do us all a favor and fight someone in your weight class within your ranking or go away. We don't need you. We don't need to see Jorge game-bred Masvidal compete every single time when someone's on Twitter talking trash, calling people out, and then when it comes time to sign on the dotted line, you are MIA. Yo. Facts. Jeez. Come on now. That's... Yeah, hey. I just, uh, I um, just doubt myself uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with, with anything you, you say there, but... I mean... I just want to see Jorge and Nate again, man. I, I think it'll be a great fight. I think it's going to be a good fight. I want to see him get KO'd con- unconscious. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I want to see him face That's down, sorry. ass up. <laughs> right, before, before we go, yeah. what did you guys make of... Uh, I don't know if you read uh, John Morgan's piece with John Jones on Patreon about the, uh, the whole uh, in- attempt to get the Francis Ngannou fight or, or hashtag the code for trying to get a new contract what did you make of uh, that article first off uh, you know um big up man like um john morgan my brother from another mother currently on mm-hmm. furlough which was a bit of a shock considering i would see him as the linchpin of uh, mma junkie but that, exactly. that was a real shock to to know that you know he wrote that on furlough but getting to the the, the, the crux of the issue i you know commend John Jones for being so open and transparent because he was almost like transcribing what was going on in terms of the negotiations in trying to get the Nganu fight and you know what I'm with him 
I'm with him when he says, look, pay me what I'm worth. I commend John Jones for taking control of his future, taking control of his brand and taking control of his worth. Because he apparently was told um, in no uncertain terms if he was to actually move up for the bigger fights in a new weight category that, you know, he would be recompensed for that. Why would he go up at a risk to his legacy? Because that's essentially what he's doing here and not get mm-hmm. the financial reward for it. I mean, essentially, it sounds as though they either try to lowball him or not advance his pay to a level where it was definitely worth it. I mean, at the end of the day, I love the fact that, you know, he was sticking by his guns. I love the fact that he was making it transparent. And I love the fact that he was being quite audacious and saying, you know what, okay, Franny and Ganny, let's have this. Franny and Ganny. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I I agree with what you're saying. Like, for I, I think it's pretty much been uh, a well known like understanding that as soon as John was going to move up, the UFC were going to we're, we're going to compensate him for it because obviously he's he's taking a huge risk to his to his legacy. Yeah. He's he's well in many people's eyes he, he's the goat, and obviously to take on the most fearsome hitter in the history of mixed martial arts, you'd want to perhaps see an extra zero at the end of your contract or or your at the end at the end of your paycheck mm-hmm. so I, I i think for me had this come not uh, come not during the covid 19 uncertainty i think that perhaps ufc would have been more forthcoming but given the the uncertainty of when the ufc are going to have their 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 first live gate in i don't know how many months it is now or whatever i think he might have tried to leverage them at just perhaps the wrong time. Yeah, but, you know, arrangements are arrangements and, you know, you should really stick to your word if that was what was agreed. Okay, none of us were there, but on the face of it, it looked as though there was this kind of like, um, I I suppose, verbal agreement that if he was to move up, there would be um, a significant um, reason for him to do that because he'd get recompensed for it through his paycheck. Yeah. Karis, what are your thoughts on it? I think the UFC is very well aware of his accomplishment and contribution to the sport and the brand. I think it's for that reason why they're trying to lowball him in this situation to deter him from going up. Because let's just be real for a second. Francis Ngannou is not the champion of the heavyweight. So you're going up to fight the number one contender. So then, all right, great. Not only do you have to beat the number one contender, then it's like, great. Well, now you have to fight the actual champion soon, too. It's, this isn't going to be a one-off thing especially if he doesn't have the belt like if he had the belt back okay great high risk high reward but this situation there's not that high of a reward for you and john jones he's a star in the terms of the mma world but as far as like namespace and like outside of the mma world and like people recognize him it's like he's not dropping one million pay-per-view guys his, his two biggest pay-per-views uh pay-per-views did like 800 and 860k which is dc1 and dc2 so i think right mm-hmm. now the ufc understands John still competes though on a regular basis. We don't want to lose his era of, of invincibility by giving him Francis Ngannou to fight for a non-title bout in mm. the middle of a situation where we aren't going to have a live gate. There's way too much on the line to let John. We we know John Jones is very capable of winning these fights, but why risk mm-hmm. that right now? Why why would we risk that? Continue doing what you're doing. Let the heavyweight situation sell itself out between Stipe and Ngannou. And then how about you fight the winner then? Yeah. Because, right, there's just, just nothing to gain. It's just, all right, great. You prove that you can beat a heavyweight that's not the champion. That's literally what the outside's looking at. Like, we on the inside would know that means a lot. 
We we acknowledge what it means, but the people in the outside world do not. They 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 only recognize the belt. That's what they recognize. So it's just not that much to gain. Sounds like Kairos was in the uh, uh, Endeavor meeting when, or the Endeavor. I told Dana, don't give him the money. Dana <laughs> yeah, was like, yo, yeah. we're thinking about giving him a million. I said, you better not. I said, you better not. <laughs> and I think we're all in agreement that, that John beats Francis, right? I don't yes. know. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there, Kairos. Definitely. I'm, I'm saying I don't know. I'm with you. Yeah, you, oh, no. Uh, John beats him handily, yes. man. Handily beats him. Which is why I said, Kyrus I don't White. know. I'm not going to sit here and just make y'all feel better by saying, yeah, I agree with y'all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm not a yes man, all right? I'm not doing that. Because okay. what I, happens? I, 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 let, 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 me, let me tease you off that fence you're precariously sitting on. Okay. In terms of precision, in terms of power, in terms of what he brings in terms of tool set, in terms of tool kit, John beats him handily. In terms of um, power, in terms of the ability to have kind of like, you know, an effect on his chin, yes, Francis does stand a chance. But I just think that technically, John is levels above Francis Ngannou each and every day in every way. Maybe in 2010. Maybe <laughs> the John Jones of 2010. I feel like that's a, what a lot of people, people's envision, people envision John Jones, like how he was when he fought Shogun as an 18-year-old flying knee and then finishes him later on. People think that's John Jones. That's not John Jones anymore. That was John Jones. That was what he used to fight like. Those were the tools that he consistently would utilize against people, which is him being creative and unpredictable. But that's not John Jones anymore. And what does John Jones struggle with? People who are his size, people who are as strong, and if not more stronger, people who are just as athletic, He's not going to be able to sit on the outside like he has been with his last five opponents. That's not going to happen. You're not going to, you can't sit on the outside with someone who has the same exact reach, if not a similar reach to you. John Jones doesn't have a 18 inch reach on this man. It's probably going to be six, seven inches maximum. And it, he's going to connect. It's not a matter of if he's going to, he is going to connect. And John Jones doesn't have some sleeper counter waiting for Francis and God. It's not going to get finished in the first round. This is going to go one, two, three rounds. And all he has to do is touch you once. John isn't untouchable. He ain't invincible. This man is going to get caught. I'm not going to say he's going to get slapped, but he's going to get touched. And as soon as you get touched, it's out of my hands now. It's in the Lord's hands whether or not you survive. So, ladies and gentlemen of oh. the jury, I put to you this. Kyrus Bodley has talked about speed and precision. <laughs> Kyrus Bodley has talked about one-hit ability to switch up a man's light. I would suggest that Kyrus Bodley is leaning very heavily on Francis Ngannou actually coming yes. away with a win. I I I, I concur with, with, with that. I'm, I'm saying say I'll say it right now. I think Francis Ngannou <coughs> puts his paws to John Jones' head because John Jones isn't a heavyweight. He's just tall. The guy like I'm not. There's no shame in him losing to a heavyweight, especially that heavyweight. I just don't think John Jones is a heavyweight. Everyone thinks he's a heavyweight because he's six foot five. There's a lot of six foot five guys that light heavyweight. Dang near, there's a guy who's six foot three at featherweight. So like, don't like miss me with this old John should go up to heavyweight because he's been so dominant and he's so big. He's not that big, bro. His legs aren't that dense. We've seen him. He shouldn't be at heavyweight. I I stand by my my assessment of the fight. I think he beats Francis. I'm a big fan of Francis, but technically he's the 
better the more well-rounded yeah. fire and I, I i honestly think that he'd come up with something something special for francis because he he, he did it in the second daniel cormier fight and i i think when it's something that, that gets john's competitive juices flowing that's when when we see the best of him like in the last few fights obviously he fought anthony smith and you fought tiago santos and then uh dominic reyes and lost. those guys yeah and yes he lost that fight I, or or it was a draw at the at the very he, very he least draw nothing he lost <laughs> <laughs> well unfortunately kairos the history book books will will echo what mr bruce buffer said that night and still <laughs> and, and still but no, I truly believe that if he was to go up to, to heavyweight, we'd see something spectacular. I, I really, really do. Do you remember how that DC fight went the second time? Are you, are you one of these people that, that thought DC was winning handily the, the fight? That's not what out? I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying <laughs> okay. at all. I'm saying before John Jones knocked out Daniel Cormier, Daniel Cormier was hitting him just as many times as John was hitting him. And Daniel had to march mm-hmm. forward and get into the pocket to touch him because of that superior reach advantage. Daniel had to overcome so many disadvantages in that fight and still was consistently touching John and pressuring him, getting into the clinch range, throwing dirty by. And he knocked John's mouth guard out. That's how hard he was hitting him that fight. Are we really going to sit here and say Francis Ngannou doesn't hit just as hard, if not harder, than Daniel Cormier? Are we going to sit oh, no, here and act like John Jones? Let's just be real for a second. Remember when John Jones fought Gustafson the, the first time and everyone's comparing them, saying that mm-hmm. they're basically 1A and 1B in terms of their style and ability? Yes. I How would that. you feel if Alexander Gustafson at that point in time fought Francis Ngannou right now? What would you think that fight would turn out? You wouldn't um, give you wouldn't give Alexander <laughs> Gustin a chance. Don't you dare play us like that. Don't you do? Oh, I think you. No, you don't. You think you get KO'd in one. So what's the difference between John right now and that Gustin from back then? I'm telling you, y'all think this man is a god, and he's proven us that he kind of is up until now. But that's because he stayed inside of his lane. He stayed inside of his ocean and dominated the beasts that be. But do not get it twisted. Just because you are a god on this planet doesn't mean you can compete with cosmic beings in another division. Do not do this to John. John, you have too much to live for. You have a family. You have a legacy. Do not tarnish him. Oh, well, that's... That's the message to John, man. Jesus. Tell John that. Y'all know him. I don't know him. Tell John that. I'm sure he's dutifully (laughs) tagged in this week's episode, which (laughs) now comes to a close. On that note, it has been incredible as always kicking it with you guys. If there's anybody out there who actually wants to continue any of the talking points we just which you started. And um, we no doubt will be raging on into next week's episode. You can contact me via Twitter, and that is via Mike Woe TV. How about you guys? How can people get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Chisanga underscore Malata. I'm not getting involved with this TikTok stuff. I'm 30 <laughs> plus years old. I ain't no kid. Okay, I'm going to get on it anyway. I'm going to make my meals through TikTok dancing. But you can catch me at Kairos MMA at Twitter. Outstanding. (laughs) You know, just before you go, there is just one thing I wanted to say. As always, this episode is brought to you, the listener, in conjunction with Violent Money. If you haven't already, have a look at what Violent Money are doing behind the scenes, really, for fighters. Fighters who are 
under the uh-huh. Violent Money Fighter Foundation. And this is a, a foundation which was set up off the back of the COVID-19 uh, uh, pandemic. And it's allowing fighters to not necessarily stay in the style that they have been accustomed to because, you know, no one's going to be able to match what the promotions that they were actually under were paying them. But it enables them to, you know, um, helps them to make ends meet. You can actually make some substantial life-changing contributions if you wish via the website, which is violentmoney.co.uk. Enables those fighters who, you know, throughout the COVID-19 um, pandemic haven't been able to work obviously because there have been no UK shows largely in, in the UK this is um, a program which is doing mm-hmm. and doing quite well but it does actually cover US fighters as well so have a look at what they're doing they're doing some incredible things big up to my man big up to my man um, Nathan down there at uh, Violent Money who heads up um, Violent Money Nathan Grayson an ex-fighter I hope will be coming back and doing some uh, damage in the cage but he's actually providing a level of support which i have to say in terms of what he's doing now is unprecedented i've not seen this fighter support available to fighters um in the uk and indeed um across the planet so have a look as i mentioned at violentmoney.co.uk Yep, shout out to nathan grayson i was i was sad to see that he said that he's uh he's, he's hung it up but Hopefully, hopefully you can have some success with this project, which by the looks of things, things are, are, have started well. And hopefully we see him back in the cage, man. He's a really, really entertaining I fighter. So. I mean, I know that, um, you know, going into Bellator and, you know, going from, I mean, let's, let's just, just call it what it was. He is the ex-Cage Warriors champion, bantamweight champion. And going, you know, straight mm-hmm. off the bat into um Bellator I think was a a massive springboard um, for him and I I just feel as though you know perhaps he might have cut his own career way too short so just like yourself just saying because I really want to see him back in action if indeed that is his wish but on that note we will definitely be catching up with you throughout the week Um, next up on the WOCast I'm really excited about this as you know the warlord is back in the chair and um i'm going to be talking to um two of the uk's finest lightweights and that is both at the same time and that is stevie ray and mark diacasey they're going to come on at the same time to discuss why it is that they feel that they should be fighting on fight island and why it is that they should actually get their long-awaited feud um to some conclusion just stir that pot. That's Michael. what I'm here stir for. That That's pot. the kind of content I'm here way. to create and here to actually <laughs> exacerbate. Anyway, until such time, make some trouble.